Turn together to Genesis, the third chapter, and we are going to read from verse number 8 down through verse number 10. Genesis 3, 8 through 10. The Bible says, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. There are so many things that we could talk about just from that one verse. And the Lord called, God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Right? We know verse 10 tells us where they were. They were hiding from the presence of the Lord. They were hiding among the trees in the garden. And God said, where are you? Where are you, Adam? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, I, I heard you and I was afraid and I hid myself because I realized the condition I was in. So today I want to talk to you from this question. Where are you hiding? Where are you hiding? Amen. God bless you. you may be seated. Thank you for standing during the reading of the Word. Now, there are so many things about this uh, set of verses that we could, directions we could go, but I will try my best to uh, narrow it down and focus on one particular area and begin by saying this, that the things, there are many things in our life, there are many things that cause us to hide from His presence. There are many things. And, and we're going to use the example of Adam and Eve and, and what caused them to get where they were. And, and we'll take our time building that. But I want you to see here that the Bible says it was the voice of God. The voice of God. The text begins, first part of Genesis, talking about the voice of God. And... We know if you travel far enough in the Scripture, you will arrive at the book of Revelation, which is the last book of the Bible. And in that, in that uh, book, there are opening chapters that deal with the conditions that churches found themselves in. And uh, we read the reference of God standing at the door knocking. And the Bible tells us in Revelation that He said, I stand at the door and I knock. If any man hear my voice, He didn't say, if anyone, any man hears my knock. He said, if any man hears my voice, I will come in to him and with him and sup with him and he with me. So we know from the Scripture just seeing the references that began in the book of Genesis and follow throughout the entire Bible all the way to Revelation that the voice of God is important. The voice of God represents the presence of God. 
And so he shows up here day after day to commune with Adam and Eve. And, and it was common. It, it, it was routine. It was what took place every day. And then all of a sudden, this changed dramatically. It changed in such a drastic way that God, in a, I guess, from a lonely position, is saying, Adam, hey, we had a meeting. Where, where are you? This is, this is different. We've been together, in and out of situations, day after day, and I can't find you. Where, where are you, Adam? And Adam responds to him and says, Hey, I heard your voice, but I, I was afraid. And we hid ourselves. And this is, this is so telling of the condition and the actions that Adam and Eve took based on one thing. And we're going to talk about that one thing. It was an act of disobedience. One act of disobedience put Adam and Eve in a place of jeopardy. In a place that, this is interesting to me, the Bible Bible clearly states it, that they were among the trees. And, and the mistake that they had came from a tree. See, a lot of times, whatever the mistake is that you make in your life, you end up trying to hide behind the mistake. It's not just, and, and, I, and I, want, I want to spend a little time helping this uh, become clear for all of us if I can. God is saying to Adam, Hey Adam, um, where are you? And he said, Well, can I explain this to you and just, and just tell you that I, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid and, and the reason I was afraid is because I realized that we didn't have any clothes on. <laughs> and I, I can just imagine God being humored by that. Like I've never seen you before. <laughs> it let it sink in. I mean, <laughs> whatever they were, whatever, He made it. So, it's like, we didn't have anything on. And so, we hid. Now, I don't know if that was because they were out of shape. They, they've been eating the wrong stuff. <laughs> uh, they ate from a tree and they, they ended up in this situation. He's like, we're naked. This is the condition we're in. And, and, and God said, well, who told you you were like that? Who, who told you that you were exposed? Who told you about the condition of your life. And he said, did you, did you eat of the tree? Like, you can't get things past God. He, he didn't go wondering, asking a lot of other questions. Because he, he knew the source of the situation they found themselves in. 
They're in a situation of hiding, and God knew exactly what the source was that led them to where they were. All right? And so He said to them, um, did, did you eat of, uh, of the tree that I commanded you that you should not eat of? Did you eat of that tree that I told you don't eat of that tree? And, and here's what happened. Is, is we see the story, they disobey God, and as soon as they disobey God, here's what happened. Mental torment. Anguish. Immediately, they're attacked. Immediately, they're mentally under pressure now like they had never been before. And emotionally, the pressure that they were under mentally bled out emotionally. And he uses the phrase saying, we were afraid. Well, that emotion doesn't just come from nowhere. That emotion comes from somewhere. And many and most of the time, it comes from the torment of the mind. And the torment of the mind doesn't just show up out of the blue. It comes from somewhere. And the torment that comes into our life comes from one act of disobedience. And the one act of disobedience led to mental torment that led to an emotional response and breakdown that caused them then to take action on the emotion and on the torment and then all the way back to what they had originally done. So the action they took two or three steps later was hide. Whatever you do, hide. Sin always causes us to hide. We don't want anyone to know what we said. We don't want anyone to know what we did. We don't want anyone to know what was done. We'll stand before a court of law and say, I plead the fifth. What are are we doing? I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to be caught. And so if there's a loophole, if there's a way around this, then I'm going to plead the fifth because I'm hoping that I can get out of something because I'm hiding right now because I don't want to face what I did. I don't want to admit that I I was there. And here is where they are. They are mentally tormented. They are emotionally distraught. He said, when we saw our situation, when we realized where we were, we were afraid and we made the decision to hide. To hide. So I ask you today, where are you hiding? Where where are you hiding in your life? And so, uh, it it revealed this emotion that they had of, of, of being afraid revealed the condition that they were in. See, if, if we're not in the wrong, if you're not in the wrong, it's easy to step up and just say whatever you need to say. And, 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 but when we're, when we're in the wrong, we're always looking for a way out. When we're not in the wrong, it's like our kids. They're acting normal. Their condition of life 
is normal. But as soon, and our kids wonder, how did you know that? It's really easy. You, you don't have to be psychic. You don't, you don't have to be a mind reader. You don't have to have any of those things going on. As soon as they start acting a little bit different, it reveals the condition that they're in. I mean, anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, this isn't, this isn't hard. This isn't hard to figure out. As soon as our kids start showing something different, then we know conditions have changed. They had never been afraid before. So why are you afraid now? Because the conditions had changed. Why did the conditions change? Because I acted in a way that wasn't the way it was supposed to be and acceptable with God. And now, here I am dealing with this emotion. And so, the being afraid because of the sin they had committed, the condition that they were in, brought to them this. Shame. And shame caused them to hide from God. I mean, I don't know how long it had been going on, but they had been meeting with God every day in the cool of the, cool of the day with nothing on. And it never crossed their mind. You know, is this appropriate for a business meeting? <laughs> Did anybody hear me? I mean, <laughs> you're meeting with God and you have nothing on. Have you ever had one of those terrifying dreams? You know, what I'm, you know the dreams I'm talking about. And you wake up like, oh my God, I'm glad that didn't really happen. Because <laughs> you're running through the field free. And you're like, wait. <laughs> I don't know where this stuff comes from, but it... it <laughs> It does, it does, and you wake up terrified, like, oh my God, did I just go to church with no clothes on? <laughs> Have you ever had those kind of dreams that you're like, you, you would be completely humiliated and never show your face again? Because it's like shame. Shame is the emotion that is ultimately bred out of Disobedience. When you're living in obedience, there is no shame. And that's what I want you to see for a moment. When you're living right, there is no embarrassment. There is no worried about who's going. There's none of that. There's open transparency, honesty, Clarity, all of those things. But as soon as one thing starts the ball rolling, the conditions change. And when the conditions change, the torment starts coming. And when the torment is there, then the emotions are birthed. And when the, the emotions are birthed, then we go start doing things like hiding. Hiding. So people say, many times when it comes to other references in Scripture, well, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Then where do you think the shame came from? If it's a shame, that doesn't just show up. It is the result of some kind of action we've taken. And this is the emotion that is bred out of it. And sometimes we can't put our hand on it. 
Right? We can't figure it out and work it all out. So, here is what I want you to see. And I could spend a long time talking about this stuff. But, for me, it is the end result that hurts the most. Okay? Let me explain that. In all these years of being involved in dealing with people, I don't even know how many people that I've dealt with with psychological issues. I don't even know how many people that I've dealt with that are bipolar. I don't even know how many people I've counseled and dealt with that are manic depressed. I, I don't even know how many times I've tried to help and talk and deal and work through people, situations that may be... It wasn't clear to them, but it was clear to everyone else. I don't even know how many people that I've dealt with through the years that have been on this medication to, to, to call it a night and that medication to be able to get up and face the day and that medication to keep them through it. I can't even tell you. I mean, it's an epidemic in our world right now. And, and it's not just outside of the walls of the church. There's a whole lot of it in the church and I'm not throwing off on anyone and I'm not trying to belittle anyone because I know what it's like to deal in situations like that. There is so much bipolar disorder. There is so much. You know what all of this is? It's the torment of the mind. It's, I, I can't turn it off. I can't turn it on. I can't reason it. I can't compartmentalize it. I can't deal with it. I can't, I can't put it in the place that it needs to be. And it's overwhelming. And I don't know how I'm going to get through it. And I face this. And the day seems good. And then that thought comes. And when that thought comes, and everything in my life goes dim. And I'm in this place. And I can't get out of it. And it's, sometimes it's days. And sometimes it's weeks. And sometimes it's months. And, and, and life suffers. And family suffers suffers and career suffers and health suffers and, and everything in our life suffers. That's bad stuff. To the degree that I not in an enjoyable way had to officiate funerals for people that just can't take it anymore. And end their life. You don't ever want to be in the position of having to officiate. But I've had to do it. Because the torment. It's bad. And then. Go from the torment. And you tie in all those emotional swings. And ups. And you deal with people that it seems like one day. Everything's great. They have this extreme high. And the next time you talk to them. You're a devil. And, and then. You're, you, everything is on the bottom. And they expect you to understand that. And people that are not having the emotional swings of up and down and great and horrible, you're looking at them like, I love you, but I don't get this at all. Don't try to make me understand it. I can't. I'll try to help you, but... Living consistency in, in a consistent manner and not having... And I've had friends and family and people I've pastored and loved ones that, that, are, that have these emotional highs and lows. One day everything's good and everything's above board and, and you're friends and the next time you see them, it's like the whole world has turned upside down and you can't even get through it. 
That stuff is bad. We're living in a world where we deal with it just on every front. And I'm trying to take enough time to tell you that, that there, I have compassion for people. I have sympathy for people. I don't always empathize with them because I haven't always been through what they're going through. But I do what I can to try and understand. And it's a reality and it's real and it's life and it's bad and it hurts. But I made a statement to you that, that I don't know if you caught it or not. But here's the statement. It's the end result that hurts the most. Okay? So no matter how bad the torment and the mind and the attack and all that, and no matter how bad the emotional ups and downs, and no matter how bad that is, there's something worse. What's worse is the end result of all of that. And the end result is this. Distance from the presence of God. You know what's worse than mental torment? Worse than emotional highs and lows? Worse than all of that? Being hidden somewhere and not connected to Him. That's the worst thing and the worst place anyone could ever find themselves. Day after day, they're communing with Him. They're in His presence. His voice is there. Everything seems to be well. They make a decision to act in a way that is displeasing to Him. And all of a sudden the ball starts rolling and it's these ups and downs and torment and I'm afraid and I'm exposed and the condition of my life and all these situations and how do I fix this and how do I get that right and how do I arrange all of that and I keep moving down that road and before I know it I make a decision to hide from the only answer I have. To run from the only one that can fix all that. The only one that can make all of that right. The only one that can bring reason back to it again. I'm hiding in the trees. I'm hiding behind the very thing that caused it in the first place. God help us to realize that it's the end result that many times we're not thinking about when we're tempted on that first time. We, we, oh, it's just this. It's, just, it's not harmful. This isn't going to bother me. I can get through this. I can handle this. We can face that. And it's the one thing. We make one decision. And all we're focused on is the tree. The tree that He said, Of all the trees of the garden, thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eat of it, thou shalt surely die. He told them, yes, it's about the tree. Yes, it's, this is what I want you to just stay away from. Yes, I don't. I, this, is, this is the boundary line right here. But I want you to know that the result of that is death. What I want, they were alive, but if you're hiding, you're dead. You're not alive to His presence. You're not alive to the relationship. You're not alive to what is meaningful in all of this. You're hiding in a place wishing it was what it once was. So it's not so much about the tree as it is the end result. Can I preach to you today and say when temptation comes, don't just think about the action and the consequences in that moment and, and, and forget all about where it will cause you to end up and, and, and forget that your family 
and your job and your sanity and your spirituality and your eternity and your everything is at stake. It's not just one thing. It's not just about the tree. It's about you'll find yourself before long hiding distant from the presence of God and what was real and what was meaningful and what was alive is now absent in your life and the only thing that could have helped you is saying, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? And so the Bible goes on and, and many times we, we focus on the disobedience. We focus on the sin rather than what that disobedience or that sin evolves into. The end result. Cost us everything. Lisa and I had a conversation not long ago with someone, an individual, not in this place. And our conversation with them was disheartening, not for us, but for them and the shape that their life was in and the condition that they found themselves in, and we were trying to just help them through. And this is what I'm talking about. People that, you didn't lose $10 in the deal. You lost millions. I, I mean, I've recently had conversations with people who made this decision. Not thinking about, you're fixing to lose. This right here is about to cost you everything. I don't know how to explain when you're talking with people that are facing not, not a few dollars in debt, but get up in the seven figures. Just like that. Because of this. Not just indebtedness. Losing businesses. Losing marriages, losing family, losing everything, losing home, losing provision, the street. The only, the only place I have now is the street. And it wasn't that many days, weeks, and months ago that everything was secure. Everything was good. Can I tell you? It's important that you think about the result more than you think about the tree. Because if you just think about the tree, we are human enough to talk ourselves into it not being that big of a deal. That it isn't really going to affect us that much. That it's not going to hurt that bad. But I promise you, when that happens, all of these other things begin to follow. And you find yourself distant saying, I just got to get back to where I was. I just have to somehow... Find my way back. Where, where am I? That's the question. So, I don't think there's anyone in this building or anyone that I personally know or have been connected with that wants to be disconnected from heaven's, heaven's answers. I don't, I don't know anybody that wants to be so distant and lose that connected place with God. We don't, we don't do those things to think that I'll end up over here distant. I'll end up over here disconnected. I'll end up over here. Adam and Eve were miserable. They did not know what to do. He's calling for them and they're hiding. I know it. I see it. I'm involved in it. I've seen it for years. The voice of God is calling and people are hiding. 
hiding? Why are you hiding? Why are you hiding? You're hiding because there's disobedience. And when there's disobedience, the only way to make it right is not to just, just hide. The only way to make it right is say, I made a mistake. I made a mistake. The, the, the story, this is, this is interesting to me. God said, Adam, hey, did you eat of the tree that I commanded you, that I told you, don't do that? He didn't say, up front, yep, I did it. He said, the woman whom you gave me, Cindy, it was like this. I was living in this garden, naming stuff. I mean, being the king of the jungle, beating my chest, walking around. I own this place. This is my garden, doing my He-Man stuff. Everything was good. Eating what I wanted to eat, all the sweets I desired. Nobody telling me keto. Nobody saying vegetables. Nobody trying to... I, I, everything was good. And you decided to put somebody in here with me. I didn't... He's like, he's putting God on trial. God's saying, why did you do it? And he said, me, this is your fault. I mean, I wasn't even thinking it was possible. And the woman you gave me? Mm. First, it was your fault. But then let me tell you about her. She moved into my place and she took over. <laughs> I mean, she started directing things and saying things and wanting things and building things and redoing things and throwing my stuff out and bringing her stuff in that we both will enjoy. And, and, and I don't understand where my toys are. I don't understand where my big stuff, my big boy toys are. I don't know where my baseball cards are anymore. And I got those when I started Little League. <sighs> Come on, God, you started it, and then she picked up where you left off, and she gave me, I wasn't even hungry for fruit. <laughs> I'm a meat eater. I want meat and potatoes. And she brought in this fruit dish. I felt the pressure. You know, you got to keep them happy. Well, I don't know if you know about it, because I live with them. I don't know. what. Can you imagine what was going on? He said, you, you gave me her. And then she did her thing. And then you get to the end of the verse. And he says, four little words. And I did. But it wasn't my fault. It was your fault. And it was her fault. And then it, then it transitions to her. What's the deal? It wasn't me. I'm innocent. It was the serpent. The serpent beguiled me. I mean, I was innocent. He, I was letting him do his own thing. He could blame whatever he wants on me, but I know the truth. It wasn't me. And, and all, of, all of this conversation and rhetoric and all this is going on and you get to the end of that verse, and she said the same thing. 
And I did. It doesn't matter who you are. If you put yourself in a jeopardizing place, you will eat. Well, I'm stronger than that. You will eat. Well, I, I, I'm more mature than that. You will eat. I've been through enough hard stuff. You will eat. Well, I've learned my... You will eat. So, here they are. They ate. They ate. And, 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 and it's, it's interesting to me that what happens when we choose to disobey. Nobody crammed it in your mouth, Adam. God didn't force it down your throat. Eve didn't say, you're never getting another meal until you eat this one. See, if I ever fix you anything again, you're hurting my feelings. You better eat this. It might... None of that. You made the decision. No matter what the other influences are, no matter what the other things are, you made the decision. Eve, no, the serpent, he's subtle, he does all those things. He, he knows how to set you up. He's waiting on the right moment. You made the decision to eat. And here's the thing. If all you do is focus on eating and not where you will end up, you will fall and I will fall every time. But somehow I have to be reminded over and over again that making this decision could cost me my family. Making this decision could cost me my marriage. Making this decision could cost me my career. Making this decision could cost me my spirituality. Making this decision could cause me to be in a place distant from the presence of God. And there is no more miserable place that anyone could ever find themselves than being distant from God. This is what it says in the next chapter. Because if you don't think, if you, if you don't think far enough down the road, you'll think it just stays with you. But here's what happens. It's their children now. It's, it's their sons. And it's chapter 4, I think verse 7. I want us to look at this. The conversation is God now speaking to Cain. Adam and Eve's son. If thou doest well, if you do what's right, shall you not be accepted? If you do what's right, everything's good. If you do what's right, everything's above board. If you do what's right, everything's going to be okay. He said, and if thou doest not well, if you don't do what is right, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire and thou shalt rule over him. I want you to see that, that you and I have to make the decisions when the pressure comes into our lives. This is the English Standard Version of the same text. It says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. So God is saying to Cain, sin is there. I'm not going to tell you the serpent isn't around. I'm not going to tell you there's not possibility to fall. I'm not going to tell you there's not potential to sin. But I will tell you this. It is your responsibility to rule over it. 
not to allow it to rule over you. Here's where we find the rub many times in our life. And that is feeling like we can't do anything about it. Yes, you can do something about it. You can rise up and rule over the things that want to destroy your life, destroy your family, destroy everything about you. You can rule over it when the moment comes to say, I'm not going to end up like that. I know people that have made that decision and ended up there. Not me. I'm taking control of this situation. God has given you the ability and the power to have control to rule over the sin, not allowing the sin to rule over you. So, the only way to find your way out of that situation is to take charge of it and not let it take charge of you. Sin has always been the challenge. And sin will always be the challenge. It's nothing new to humanity. It's not new to any one of us. But we have to rule over that. We cannot just live aimlessly. We have to live every day with purpose. We have to live every day with a made up mind. Live every day saying, I refuse to let this be the day that forces me into hiding. I refuse to let this business deal or that conversation or that one thing put me in a place of hiding. It happens so quickly. And then the remorse. And, 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 and what, what is the old saying about it taking a lifetime to build a reputation and only a matter of moments to destroy it? You'll work your entire life trying to build something. And in a few moments, the whole thing can come down. It is so fragile. Now I'm preaching this and I'm going to come to a close here quickly. But I want to say this. I know so many people that are in hiding. Hiding. And I can tell you as a pastor, hiding is going to get you nowhere with God. It's only going to make things worse. It's only going to continue down a road that you feel like you'll never be able to get back on. The Bible tells us, and, and, and hear me, sometimes we think it's just in, alright, I see the tree. I'm not going to do anything. And if I'm not going to do anything, I'll be good because sin, we've been told, sin is all about the actions we take. But there's another side of this. And the other side of this is like this. To he or them or him that knows to do good and doeth it not. To him it is sin. So sin works both ways. Sometimes it works in not doing something, and other times it works in doing something. But either way, either way, we end up away from Him. And God help us not to ever get in that place. Here's what, and I close, and I said it earlier, but I'm going to repeat it. Many times we're focused on what's happening right now and we forget all about where this is going to lead us. And it's not about the current. It's about the future. And the future is if something doesn't take place to change all that, I'm going to be hiding from Him.
I don't want to be hidden. I don't want to be hidden. I want to be in His presence. Because the psalmist said it's in His presence that there is fullness of joy. It's in His presence, in His right hand, that there are pleasures forevermore. It doesn't say in His presence there's misery, there's shame, there's anger, there's fear. It doesn't say that about in His presence. It says in His presence there is fullness of joy. In His presence, everything that we long for and desire, it's right there. At His right hand, there are pleasures. You want life to be good? Get in His right hand. (laughs) Get in His presence because it's not going to be any better than what it can be when you're in His presence, when you're walking with Him and He's talking with you and His voice is real in your life. And God, help us not to be in a place of hiding. Let's stand together.